someone's coming for you and you're not gonna like it. You guys make noises in your sleep. Tell us. I'm not supposed to say. <laughs> but he's done awful things to people and he'll do awful things to you. I have blue stocks too. <laughs> Scotch on the rocks, please. Any scotch will do, as long as it's not a blend, of course. Uh, single malt, Glenlivet, Glenfiddich, perhaps, maybe a Glengowrie, any Glen. I'm drunk. I'm thirsty. I want a beer. What about you? You want a beer? Just a drink. A martini, shaken, not stirred. So this week, uh, I don't know if this is the first like actual box office hit we've talked about on this podcast. Because even the uh, I think our you know known movies with this concept have been stuff like Office Christmas Party, which we're kind of debating is that like a mm. modest hit. Uh, Split was an actual box office success a year ago. Did uh, Jared? Do you have the numbers? Yeah, um, I won't uh, budget- eat your lunch there then. Yeah, allow me to do something this week. Thank you. Um, on the not, budget, not pray for suicide. <laughs> oh, you know I'm trying to leave that behind. Uh, I'm not trying to lead out with nasty Hellcat this. Uh, we'll, this episode. we'll save all the nasty Hellcat for the Red Turtle. I'm sure that's where you contemplated <laughs> life <laughs> during that one. <laughs> um, budget for Split was nine million estimated and a cumulative worldwide gross of two hundred and seventy eight million three hundred and four thousand dollars. Big old hit. Can't argue that. Shyamalan is back. Yeah. Um operating on very small budgets. A true like <laughs> sort of horror director, a genre director well, now. He had uh actor fees and uh to rent a warehouse. I mean, other than that, I don't think there's too many costs yeah, involved. I don't think James McAvoy is commanding Tom Cruise money or even Marky Mark money from the happening, but uh uh, this is one also that I had not seen until this this point, uh, and it was one that I wanted to see. Uh, and then as I and I, I don't think we'll get into it because uh, I don't want to do this to uh, someone else. But as I was talking to Josh off mic about a, maybe a week, maybe even not a week into release, I just scrolled past a Facebook comment of someone's enthusiastic response to this, where they're like, "Oh wow." That last scene really made the movie, and it was one of those things where I was like, oh, I was excited about that, but I guess now I just won't see it until we podcast about it. <laughs> so I held off on this one, but uh, what about uh, either one of you two? Had you seen this before uh, this podcast recording? Uh, I actually had uh, not watched it before we recorded for this episode. Um all I knew about it was just uh, pretty much that James McAvoy had a, uh extensive range of personalities that he was playing and that was all i knew going into it and that's really about all i had uh going out of it i didn't really um it wasn't my cup of tea i don't know about it if it was for either one of you but um i i applaud his attempt at the personalities but i i ended up laughing more at james mcavoy than i did actually like i, I read these reviews i was like oh wait for the creep fest that is split and i was like he's <laughs> there's nothing creepy like, i got i mean the last personality has its moments but even then like all of his various characters uh, is like this is just kind of goofy 
I have to admit, I'll let, and then I'll, I'll let Josh take it over because I think you did have some experience with this one. Uh, I, I'll just say up front, I'm not a James McAvoy fan, really. I, I really despise that Wanted movie that came out about 10 years ago. Uh-huh. And it's not to this extent, but in that, he's playing a character that is one personality, like the nebbish like Ron Livingston from Office Space, who then we were led to believe is like the son of this great assassin, and he turns into like this ultimate badass. It's like punching people in the face. I believe it's Chris Pine. Or no, Chris That's Pratt. That's the one where they curve bullets, right? They curve bullets. Uh, Angelina Jolie looking pretty good, as Larry David would say. <laughs> pretty good. Uh, but I, I, maybe that, that performance where he sort of broke out just left a bad taste in my mouth. I will say that I did like him in a uh, Jessica Chastain movie, big shocker there, called uh, The Disappearance of Elmore yeah. Rigby. But he was also good. He was actually probably better than Chastain in that. So uh, hmm. I have liked him before. But I yeah, praise from you. It is. Uh, <laughs> I, but that's just a long way of saying that uh, he's not going to sell a ticket to me. And so the praise for his performance, I probably did lean a little bit more Jared's side, like, well, we'll see about that. Like, prove me, <laughs> <laughs> prove me wrong, <laughs> McAvoy. So what about you, Josh? Uh, you, are you a fan of this one? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I saw it shortly after it released on home video. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to catch it in theater, but uh, and you avoided I, the spoiler that I'm not. I did amazingly wow. uh, because, I, I mean, being a Shyamalan movie, I did expect that there was going to be some sort of twist or revelation, you know, surprise ending of some sort. But the the very one that we that we got, you know, the the big revelation at the very end. Um, I'm amazed that it was still a surprise to me. And I'm, I'm amazed that I avoided that type of, uh, spoiler given the amount of time that I hadn't seen it yet. And apparently, <laughs> as you said, people were being flippant about talking about it. So, uh, I dodged that bullet, but they said he was super uh, secretive about it. Just that, that even, uh, during the test screenings, he hadn't even added that scene at the end. Well, I, it makes sense because, so uh, uh, well, we should clarify this. Are, are we not going to reveal it? Or are we going to hint at it? I don't. Or... I don't really want to. Maybe we can save it uh, to later in the episode to give people a chance to listen to this, and then we'll kind of delve into that that one area of the film. I'll, I'll, I'll try to speak around it as best I can. Then you know they do something that the early fans of Shyamalan really wanted to see him do, and it would link to a possible other property. I don't think I'm being too spoilish by saying that. So in doing that, I don't think <laughs> if he was testing it with audiences, then I'm sure he was being wary of like, I don't want to do this unless people like it <laughs> because I don't want to taint something well, else. Unlike his other previous, you know, twist endings, which are really sort of tied into the plot. This one, if they had left it out, the movie would have worked on its own. Uh, yeah, you might, it's not a twist or anything. It's just a, a reveal, basically. I will say that it does feel like... I mean, it, it makes sense, given the, the world they're trying to build here. But it also... I I, also, I understand why I still hate this person that like was enthusiastic about it on Facebook, because it sort of redefines what this movie is. If you thought this movie was like, oh, it's a decent little horror movie, it does give you a reason to be more excited about what you just saw. Which is exactly my response to the movie. Uh I enjoyed it. I liked it. I don't think I was as harsh on McAvoy's uh, uh, on his uh, act as Jared was, but I enjoyed it. I thought, and, and really, I thought a lot of the laughs were intentional. I, I, because Shyamalan has seemed to kind of a, 
be um, okay with adding more comedy into some of his movies. I don't know if you both have seen The Visit or not. I think, Mike, you have. Yeah, I didn't uh, care for it, but uh, he definitely throws some stuff in there that you can only really chuckle at. I mean, it's hard yeah, to, I mean, it's kind of creepy, but it's also like, this is so over the top that it does border on goofy. Yeah, I think he's a, he, he, he's embracing some absurdity in some of his stuff, I think. And I, I think that's the case here. I mean, seeing a, a grown man act like a middle-aged proper woman, you know, or then acting like a child, I mean, it's going to come off as silly. But you think about it, you're like, okay, if I was really being held hostage by somebody like that, and that's what I was saying, that would be terrifying. So there, there is a there is a balance there of like it, it's horrifying, not in a not your standard horror movie way of like sitting there and actually being scared, but just it, it, if you project yourself into the predicament, you're like that would be a horrifying experience. Did either one of you have any problems on that note of projecting yourself into it? Because it has it does and it suffers from some of the horror tropes that, for instance, the abduction scene. Uh, one thing I really didn't like about the movie, you know, Shyamalan has very specific pace. Uh, it almost mm-hmm. apes sort of Spielberg as far as like he really likes to draw out the sort of like you know the the big moment and this one starts early with an abduction where you have uh, the the kind of I guess you know nerd girl or the weird girl that's not in with the cool kids uh, she's been given a ride home by uh, the cool kids and one of the cool kids' parents. And she's in the front seat, and she realizes something is up because she sees, like, you know, she hears the trunk slam. She sees, like, a bag of groceries, and they're waiting for the father to get in the car. And she does this long turn to see who's sitting next to her. Whereas, I mean, I don't know about either one of you, but if you're that jumpy, I would think you'd be moving your head around, you know, like, all the time. And there yeah. are a lot of moments in this film that follow up on that, whether you're after they're abducted, they're in the hallway, where there's, like, this long gaze to see what's coming. And uh, I do think that the movie's missing a little bit of franticness, at least from one of the characters. I would I would like to have seen more. I don't know if either one of you have seen Red State, Kevin Smith's Kevin Smith's yeah, horror film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you remember how like, those kids who are abducted, how they react <laughs> when they get a chance yeah. to get out of there. I mean, it is hauling ass. Like they have no idea where they're going, but they're just going down the hall as fast as they can, frantic, <laughs> and they make mistakes as well. But that felt right, more right. like a real person. This one. I think does suffer a little bit from Shyamalan's pacing, given the situation. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's not really a good excuse for that. I I think that's just sometimes some of the sloppiness that comes with the territory. I'm not, and I'm not giving a pass on that either, but uh, that's, it it does, it does suffer from some of that, but. Do you think it works as a horror movie without the ending on its own? Well, that's what I was going to say earlier. Is that I, I did think it was a strong movie on its own uh, before the, the other ending came. Um, I had enjoyed it. Now, I will say that when you hear me speak of my enjoyment of this movie, it is heightened now because of that ending. But I don't know if I would – I don't know that I call it a straight-up horror movie. I mean, it's more like a psychological thriller, I, I think, in, in my opinion, because it, it doesn't have your – standard horror movie cliches in terms of it's hard it's hard to talk about without giving certain things away i guess but i i just feel like it's more like you're trying to get into this character's head and understand what's going on there and there's some things i do find really interesting about it just because of the real world implications i'm very fascinated by the potential of the human brain all these stories we can read about 
Big uh, uh, Limitless fan with Bradley Cooper, eh? Uh, I don't think that movie tapped into the uh, the real the realistic scientific ideas Lucy? of things. But... Was ScarJo like that one? Mm, probably not for the right reasons. Okay, probably shout out to uh, correct movies. Super fan of this show, Hyro of True Romance, and also super fan of Lucy, which I think was in his top ten, top five for that respective year it came out. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, the. The types of things that, because I'm, I'm almost positive that the, some of the things they talk about in the movie are accurate. You know, like even people with this um, kind of a personal identity disorder, like their physical attributes, like their health. You know, their you know, one personality can have high blood pressure and the other one doesn't. You know, and uh, some of that stuff is true. And, Take a few bullets, and, bend a few mm, bars. Now, I mean, mm. okay, obviously we're you know, but. You, you understand what I'm saying. That's fascinating to me. Uh, and you even see it with some of the, uh, you know, some of the specials I've seen on like the science channel and stuff about, uh, you, you have a lot of individuals who are, uh, uh, what's the right, what's the right term? Like, like rain man on, you know, Dustin Hoffman movie. I'm, I'm, I'm are you talking about like off. the, uh, the spectrum here of like, autism? yeah, yeah. Autism. Thank you. Uh, you know, talking about how, though they lack sometimes um, certain social capacities of like, you know, kind of functioning like the rest of us do, they oftentimes are spectacularly, you know, beyond us in other ways, whether it be mathematics or music or, you know, literature. I mean, I've, I've Photographic heard a guy. Memory. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen stories about a guy who can like read two pages at a time, like his left eyes reading the left page and his right eyes reading the right page. At the same time. I mean, that just blows my I mind. I can do so, that. No, I'm sure you can, Jared. <laughs> Jared, you can read a book and and a billboard sign across the street at the same time, my friend. You know what? Josh doesn't sound like he's impressed with you, Jared. Not like this hypothetical <laughs> rain man he's talking about. Hey, everybody but me. I mean, you used to give me the uh, short end of the stick here. I'm I'm your uh, X man if you want me to. Uh... <laughs> I've always thought like of, it, I've always thought of Jared as the uh, the boy with the dragon tattoo myself. <laughs> you like that moniker, Jared? Mm, I, I the boy, <laughs> not the man. The boy. The boy with you know that's some, that is something that is. Uh, this is somewhat off subject. Uh, recently, been brought up, I guess, by uh, critics. By uh, I guess probably women in particular. That there's been a lot of thrillers. I guess that have aped that title. So the girl with the dragon tattoo, uh, Gone Girl, uh, the girl on the train, and they're like. Uh, Never, never the woman on the train. It's like, you know, <laughs> I mean, and, and, I mean it's a point because you get criticism. to, uh, you get to like a Western, you know, Clint Eastwood, it was not the boy with no name. <laughs> it was a man <laughs> with no name. I, I'd say there's probably, uh, some underlying, you know, the, the gender thing of making females sound more like the victim. So a woman, the, 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 the moniker woman doesn't sound as as victim like as the girl and I'd I'd be willing to bet that that's just just I'm watch, not saying that's everybody just watched uh-huh. Gone Girl once and that they'll, they'll, that problem solved there. Not mm-hmm. a victim. <laughs> oh not a victim. What a catch. Strong Very scary. <laughs> then Nick will die too. Nick and Amy will be gone. But then we never really existed. Nick loved a girl I was pretending to be. Cool girl. Men always use that, don't they, as their defining compliment. She's a cool girl. Cool girl is hot. 
Cool girl is gay. Cool girl is fun. Cool girl never gets angry at her man. She only smiles in a chagrin, loving manner, and then presents her mouth for fucking. She likes what he likes, so evidently he's a vinyl hipster who loves fetish manga. If he likes girls gone wild, she's a mall babe who talks football and endures buffalo wings at Hooters. When I met Nick Dunn, I knew he wanted cool girl, and for him, I'll admit, I was willing to try. I wax stripped my pussy raw. I drank canned beer watching Adam Sandler movies. I ate cold pizza and remained a size two. I blew him semi-regularly. I lived in the moment. I was fucking game. I can't say I didn't enjoy some of it. Nick teased out in me things I didn't know existed. A lightness, a humor, an ease. But I made him smarter, sharper. I inspired him to rise to my level. I forged the man of my dreams. So, Jared, let's. Uh, you were. You're, you're, Josh is a little more positive. I'm, I'm guessing mm. you don't share his enthusiasm for uh, sort of the the psychological aspect of the what James McAvoy's character is going through. Um, I can appreciate the acting ability and the acting talent that went on there, but as far as we've we've seen. It was the technically disassociative identity disorder, I think. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's been overdone, I think, in film. Uh, that's, that's an easy one um, as far as thrillers go. And it, if you're going to do that, it has to be like A-plus perfect to really impress somebody. Well, I just – I don't know. It just it – didn't, it didn't register with me. I think the budget is a little bit limiting here. Um you know, I, I just said up front that the, uh, the the twist, if you want to call it that, was ruined, which doesn't really have too much to do with the actual events of the story. So you can enjoy it on on its own. But even having seen the trailer, I was expecting you know the beast to come out a little bit sooner because I'm like, okay, that's what we're leading towards here. They they show that a little bit in the trailer, and I feel like they kind of give up the goods as far as his personalities pretty quickly. Like the the abducted girls kind of discover all of them fairly fast. Uh, the only scene that I thought was really cool and I wish they had done more with is where his, uh, you know, his therapist or whatever, uh, calls him out on saying like, Hey, you're one personality trying to fake being the other personality. Mm. I thought that was mm-hmm. really cool. I like that I sort of yeah. cat and mouse gamesmanship. And mm-hmm. I thought that they were going to do more with that, but it's like, after that happens, it was like, <laughs> you got me. And, then it was, <laughs> and that was the extent of it. He doesn't really have a, much of a sympathetic personality that ever comes out during the movie they're all just kind of which i mean they're all assholes basically they're all they're all assholes and they've all kind of taken over and they explain that in the movie but i think it would have done him a little bit more service if you have a little bit more conflict on you know feeling bad for him as well as the women but you i I really don't feel that bad for mcavoy or any of his uh personalities in the movie no no there's not one that i've felt the need like oh i hope when he's that personality, that one is not harmed or he's, he's mm-hmm. innocent in this. They, no, they, it seems like they all get together. All the personalities are in a club and they're like, mm, this is what we're doing. Sacrifice <laughs> you to the beast. We're all in agreement here. Uh, uh, you, you'll have to remind me because I, I didn't rewatch this. So I'm basing everything. Liked based it that on. much. Did you? Mm, <laughs> oh, fantastic movie. I do like, it. but, uh, <laughs> um, his, like his 
original personality like the i think the you know his true self you know the one that's seeking help and trying to keep himself you know in line he's suppressed the whole time right like we don't even see him at play and i think maybe speaking to what you all were saying that would have actually helped is if we even in the midst of the you know Mm -hmm. having the girls hostage and stuff is seeing him come out just a little bit and be like I himself sorry help me you know help me i'm i'm trying to Mm -hmm get this, you know, I'm trying to fight this and it keeps overwhelming me. And that would probably brought a little bit more empathy, like what you all are, are speaking of to the character to where you're, you're not just straight up like, ah, oh, this guy could die and it'd be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I agree on that statement. It's not, you're, you're not really too sympathetic <laughs> <laughs> to the, to the guy. Uh, but again, I, I stand by the, the, the story of it because i know you said we've seen that story done before with you know the multiple personalities and such but uh you know this is different you know to see one that is doing the you know such a heinous crime and having such a wide variety of colorful characters at the same time and like what mike was talking about like one going as far as to portray a different personality that way it can get by like, you know, the therapist and such. Uh, I think those are all kind of different ideas that we haven't seen used in those other uh, iterations of, of, of those films. So I, I still think it has some pretty good originality to it. Uh, it it's not, I'm, I'm, I'm defending it way more than what I guess I mean to in terms of, I'm not saying it's a movie like people should just be fawning over and loving, but I, I really don't have like a whole lot of, you know, a lot of hate for it, a lot of trouble. I mean, it, it, it may have, it might would have served it a little bit better to be a little less funny and maybe a little more scary. It might would have been a little more effective if they had maybe dialed that back a little bit. But again, I, I just didn't even feel like it was ever going to be, horrific but just because of the nature of the of the story itself it's just a dude there the as you all have alluded to the the most horrific parts of it are when the beast comes at the end and i'll say this because you you were kind of saying mock that you, you wish we would have gotten a little more of that i wonder if the issue of what we're speaking <laughs> the speaking around the the the, the ending if that wasn't the case to where there would be anything in the future whatsoever. Yeah. And like a lot of those, those type of movies, the origin story thing is kind of uh, hurting this, this film. Uh, just as right. Right. I wonder how much he was holding back on that. That way that'll be more of what we're getting, which I mean, later betting on himself. Uh, yeah, we're going to get that because it's a huge hit. So Mm -hmm. 300 million, you're definitely going to get $9 million budget. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's move on to the next one, which I I think in sort of film Twitter circles and probably cinephiles uh, is not necessarily like an unknown film they were putting out there, but to most people this would be because it was in very limited release. The Red Turtle, which mm-hmm. was uh, a studio, and I never pronounced this right, Josh. You're more of a fan. What? How do you pronounce this? Studio Ghibli? 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 Uh, I think it's Ghibli. Ghibli. Studio G. Uh, Studio Ghibli, back. <laughs> <laughs> back with a uh, you know a, a film with no dialogue, maybe some grunts, some screams, some moans. Uh, about it, it, this is basically a version of Castaway with some fantastical elements added in, uh, namely the title of the film, this red turtle <laughs> that comes up ashore. Yeah, 
Uh, I had seen this one before, and I'm going to sound like Josh was split, uh, except for the ending. I was watching this um, sort of when it came out, because um, you could, you know, this was up for like awards consideration. There were screeners, and it did premiere in other countries before it came to the U.S. Uh, the same weekend as Split, <clears throat> January of last year, but I didn't finish it. It was not. It wasn't like out of boredom it was one of those things where it's like i'll i'll need to pick this back up and then just never did so uh unlike josh i did rewatch it from the start (laughs) because what i did remember was kind of like a one of those dreams you wake up from and i'm like all right there's Mm. a red turtle and uh i think it sheds its skin and there's a chick underneath and i was like i gotta all right i gotta start from the beginning again so 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 i did and uh i'm also you know just gonna admit i try to throw clips in these podcasts since there's no freaking dialogue i can't really do anything for you listeners if there are any listeners i can't i mean you're just gonna hear sound effects and music maybe so if you're interested check this out i wouldn't say there's much you can really spoil here as josh you're fond of saying this is probably like a mood movie this is where you're Mm -hmm. you're kind of watching a man i guess contemplate his existence like how he's gonna live going forward he's you know for the most part completely isolated and then something very strange happens to give him companionship uh, and then you see his life as he ages on this island as he tries to to make a small family and and go on. So I'll I'll open the floor to you. We'll start, Jared. We'll start with you since you you opened with negativity. I expect more <laughs> of the same with the poor red turtle. I expect you to be the guy hitting red turtles in the face with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to be sadly disappointed because I love this movie. Oh, okay, good. I like that. It, um, hmm. it, it's 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 just a, a moving piece of art, really. It, it no dialogue, uh, but everything is easily telegraphed to the watcher. It, it doesn't take a whole lot of um, uh, thought process to tell what's going on. It's a simple enough narrative. It's a simple enough story, but not to say it's you know, dumb. It's, it's just universal. No, no, it's, it's, it's universal. Yeah, it's it's universal, and the fact that it doesn't matter what language it is, it could be played for anybody in any nationality, and everybody would, I would assume, get it. Um, yeah, it it didn't have to have dialogue. It, it uh, and very much like a a, a mood movie as you put it i can understand why you kind of like yeah i picked this up later because i uh it it chills you out like uh i just for reference my fitbit <laughs> i checked it while i was watching this movie i, love I this. swear to god I love it, this already. It, went, it went it went down a couple like, while i was watching like, I was like, this, this movie is like chilling me out like, um I, I feel like um we've done some good with this podcast then because you know we we throw barney's version to you and you have you know you really like that movie as well um, it hurt though. But to, to even get started, you almost have a heart attack, and then the red oh, turtle yeah, comes that, along, yeah. and Jared finds his his happy place, his zen. Some little zen. zen for me, yeah. Uh, what about you, Josh? You, you're more of a fan of this this company anyway, and their previous offerings. Yeah, yeah, I, I do enjoy uh, their their, their uh, releases, and uh, this one's right in line. Actually, I probably prefer this. Uh, I, I very much love this film. Um. I want to say first and foremost, it's beautiful. the The animation, the the detail in the animation, is just the the first few minutes are just kind of breathtaking because you're you're kind of getting adjusted to the the no dialogue and just taking in all the visuals and and they do some showing off too during all those scenes uh, with the animation. So it's really impressive and and terribly uh, depressing because of the fact that like 
we don't get that anymore. Like all the Disney, Pixar, everything is computer animated, and it's just uh, this really highlights just how sad it is that anim- you know your standard two D animation is kind of I won't say dead, but it's just not being utilized as well, it should be. It's not afraid to be still. It's not right. afraid to be calm. Right. There's not constantly something jumping at you. Even right. Pixar. A lot, I mean, Pixar's very popular with critics and. Uh, audiences alike, but you know they have a certain degree of zaniness that they're amping up, and very loud characters and big bold colors. And uh, this, uh, you know, the other thing I like about how it starts—it's very quiet—is I feel like they do a good job of establishing the island. It reminded me a lot mm-hmm. of Castaway, as far as the character finding out the certain nooks and crannies that will come back yeah. Uh, later. Yeah, on. there's there's certain areas that they return to, and you you recognize it because you know they do a good job of recognizing the space of the islands and yet so yeah you're 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 right on that they do a they do a really good job with that so you know i'm a fan of it's beautiful i I like the fact that they kept it without dialogue because it kind of just makes it universal uh and i think the the topics they're hitting upon in the film while hugely symbolic and probably can be taken many different ways. I think those are universal uh, because I, I don't think it's just all nonsense. I, I, I think there's, you know, some good meaning there that like we all have, especially during maybe the young part of our lives where we're starting to strike out into the world, you know, our approaching to adulthood, you know, and, and what kind of life we're going to have. Um, I think the red, the literal red turtle is supposed to be symbolic of what is it that like maybe changes your path from what you thought you were going to be or what you thought you were going to do. And in this case, it turns into being like this guy ends up becoming a family man. You know, he ends up his red turtle turns into having a wife, having a kid because he, he no longer is trying to leave the island after that. You know, he's happily residing on the island oh, so that's, a, that's no a really long... key scene like i mean you i'd say for the first 20 minutes you're seeing him taking the damn bamboo repeatedly trying to get yeah. off that place and you see uh you know this these <laughs> creatures uh turns out to be a turtle like keeping him on the, the island right having yeah. keeping him in place and i really like movies about wanderlust like i love into the wild and mm-hmm. i think this one might be more effective than into the wild Without without going, you know, you don't have to over debate it or talk it. You don't have the characters because Into the Wild obviously it was based on a real person, and that right. was at the forefront of his mind. He's going to run into people who constantly are trying to talk him out of that. And this, I think, is with no dialogue, far more striking about getting someone to realize like sort of what's around them and what they already have. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's they call back to that though after you know he starts a family, you know there's him and his son burning the bamboo. And you you, you think back to that first scene, you're like, man, he's got all of that. I mean, the woods have been knocked down. They could maybe, maybe they could build something with this. And it's no longer even in his mind. He's happy. He's content. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I thought that was a really awesome way to handle this. Um, Yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, and and then, you know, it it kind of shows the circle of life because it shows the, you know, the son kind of reaching that point where he's going to go out now because uh, that's kind of interesting. At the beginning of the movie, we don't even see what what caused the guy to become, you know, stranded. He's just out in the water. Doesn't really matter. We don't see where his beginnings are, and you could very easily put that on loop 
the, the sun goes out, you know, into the water and stuff, mm-hmm. and you could easily pick up and see that same thing happening to him. And that's what, you know, I think that's what the story is getting at is that, you know, everybody has that journey to make. And it was just, a, I don't know, it was just beautiful. And with doing it the way they did, the, the beautiful visuals, the silence, the, the, just being so calm and peaceful, it's just very uh, um, serene. Yeah, it's serene, but it's also, you know, you, you, the perspective you take on it, it's just, you have that time to sit there and breathe it in and just take it in and kind of ponder it. So, yeah, I, I love the movie. Um, it's it's not you know it's not exciting. It's but that's good. You know it's not it's, <laughs> it's not, not Princess Mon. Okay, you're not. No, no, it's not. You <laughs> know, like you said, warring factions challenging each other to blood. We feud. got plenty of movies to get the blood boiling and <laughs> yeah. get you excited. It's nice to have an alternative where it's something that can literally lower your heart rate. You know, as, as Jared has <laughs> pointed out. So that it's nice. I, it's I had the same experience. I, I, I was sitting there thinking, man, I just feel so chill right now. Just watching this. This is just so cool. Uh, to sit here and enjoy it and not worry about anything and just kind of breathe it in. So now that being said, um, that's probably a hard sell though. And like, this mm-hmm. is one that I, like I said, it was in limited release, uh, last year. And, I doubt many people, you know, we certainly didn't get a chance to see it in theaters in our neck of the woods, but this is honestly like, as I'm watching it, like I said, uh, I had to like set it aside and be like, I need to actually sit down and focus on this. Uh, this was one that kind of calls out for that theatrical experience in a way to where you're not oh, distracted. By anything. I really wish I could have seen it in the theater. That would have been, that would have been wonderful. Mm-hmm. Smaller screen does it a little bit of, uh, injustice with the, uh, like Josh said, the beauty and the, the actual, artistry and drawing that uh, goes on during the movie. Well, how many people, Jared, do you think are going to come back to it? If, you know, they discovered on a streaming service, for instance, are they going to be patient enough to not have the, you know, <sighs> the, the trigger finger there to be like, all right, I'm going to move on to whatever's next in my queue. Cause this is, you know, it's too, a little too offbeat, too quiet. I think the uh, studio name would be enough to maybe get some um, curiosity going. But as far as the name value of the movie, no, it only made uh, it made less than a million dollars worldwide. So I, there's not worldwide, a lot of word really? mouth. Yeah, cumulative so just, worldwide gross seven hundred eighty-seven thousand dollars. So not just the dumb Americans to blame here. No, not us. Hmm. Not entirely. And, and you know what? I don't even think it's that people aren't willing to sit through it, but it's because what you were starting to say, Mike, about like the you know it being the the slow, patient type of movie. If you're not seeing it in the theater. You're pulling out the you know if if you don't want to give it a chance if you're somebody who's easily bored you're pulling out the cell phone you're looking stuff up while it's going on and I once I saw it was going to be that type of movie because I am guilty about like if I'm watching stuff at home I'll occasionally check something on my phone but I don't I don't just linger on it because I do want to pay attention to what I'm watching but once I saw it was the type of movie it was I set my phone aside I was like I'm not going to even open this because <laughs> I could easily start to ignore what's going on the screen because it would be easy to ignore it. And you need to put yourself in a situation of like, I'm not going to allow myself to be distracted. I'm just going to pay attention to this and kind of get into it. So it is a shame. I I really wish I would have had the theatrical experience because that would have been nice. But uh, yeah, anybody listening, if you haven't watched it, do yourself a favor and like turn the phone off or put on silent or whatever, set aside and like, I don't know, get a dark room and, Turn the movie on, just chill. I had a it's pretty awesome. cool experience with it the second time around because I watched it. Uh, me and uh, the wife have been getting up uh, about four thirty in the morning to go to the gym by five, so we can both do it before we go to work. 
The difference is, and it's a little more painful for me, is that I go into work a little bit later than her, like, you know, two hours later. So that gives me just enough time to be like, man, I want to go back to sleep. And so I, I'd made the decision. I wonder if it would backfire on me, but it ended up being really cool. It's like, I'm going to throw on the red turtle because I couldn't put it on the iPad at the gym because I remembered this is not the type of movie that you have, you know, sweaty while men running. behind you grunting <laughs> while you're on the treadmill and bright lights, you know, the, you know, just, you don't need the distraction while you're watching the red turtle and you might get some weird looks too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People just cross over um, and see it on the iPad. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go home. I'm going to stay awake and I'm going to watch it in the early morning hours. The sun hasn't come up. That was a really cool way to watch it. So I probably am not selling it to me. People saying like, hey, get up at 4.30, go to the gym, work out, get the, <laughs> you know, get the heart rate going. Then, like Jared, with your Fitbit on, chill out, relax after mm-hmm. uh, you get the, the blood boiling and pulsing there. And uh, But it was cool. I really, really enjoyed it. And I honestly thought I uh, might be on the – I'd be in the minority on this one. I thought uh, both of you were going to be like, Mike uh, – Weird shit you got on here. We got the beast on one hand, and then we got the transforming red turtle on the other. I'll say this about this movie. Um, it is a hard sell, and it it's perfectly in that category of movie where if you are a movie person and the type of movie person that really enjoys this movie, you're going to sound like the uh, the movie snob because you're going to be like, it's not for everybody, and it's not because people can't get it. It's just knowing that the general public just don't have the patience, you know, they're just not going to sit still. They're not going to, they're not going to take it in for what it is. They're going to get bored with it. And so it's not a movie I would recommend to a whole lot of people. It would only be people that I know, like genuinely, you know, love a good cinema experience and are willing to like watch something more than just, you know, cops chasing bad guys or whatever. But I agree with Jared. Uh, That is a universal story. It's just, you have to look at movies as more than just like an amusement park ride. Like split, yeah, yeah. split definitely is. Exactly. Split is you go there and you get different jolts of creepiness or, you know, a spike of adrenaline. Um, even though, you know, Jared, I don't know if you were wearing your Fitbit during split, if it moved the needle at all, or if you were just, <laughs> I imagine you with your arms crossed, Maybe shaking your head saying, nope, not amused. During one of my uh, laughing fits, maybe when he dresses in drag and gets sassy, but other that's when, that, no, that was just your, your heart was getting away with you. Oh, James. You just could not. Oh, you're pulling off that skirt, James. I, I don't believe that at all. I think Jared's more of a red turtle man myself. <laughs> Maybe that's, you know, sort of some commentary on our lives as well as we don't have, don't take um, inventory of what's around us and too busy in our lives to even watch the movie. Uh, I don't oh, know. it is. No, I mean, I, as a society, we're terribly guilty of just being oh, too busy and everything's too fast and instant access. I mean, that's the downside of technology, which is probably another good reason why this type of story takes place on a deserted island, you know, is that it's just mm-hmm. devoid of all that type of stuff. But, uh, you know, I think we're missing something in the human experience. I'm not trying to get too deep there, but uh, I, I think there is something to be said about the fact that we just have to constantly be entertained in the way that you were just talking about, Mike, like a, like a roller coaster, and that we can't just sit down and enjoy, you know, peacefulness and quiet and, and you know, take things, you know, slowly and, and digest it slowly and everything. And that's what this movie experience is. It's very much just a, a, a slow uh, a slow, slow burn, burn like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's no real way to not sound pretentious because I tried to think of it in my head was like 
Well, you, you know, it's just an enjoyment on another level. But even then, that sounds pretentious as well. So it, it a less, uh, a more, uh, <laughs> I don't know, cerebral, more. Uh, I feel like it's weird to me. Movies seem to be getting more flack uh, for things that other art forms do not like. I don't think. I know I don't have a one to one here, but like if the Red Turtle was an album from a band that decided to you know to change it up, or even going from song to song, having something that was a little more fast, you know, fast paced, and then having something uh, that is a mood piece, uh, and maybe it's because music is considered a passive activity, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, movies you you can't really have them be passive. Maybe if it's watching uh, Office Space or something like me for like the hundredth time, that can be somewhat <laughs> passive because I I know right, the ones. Right. Uh, but I, I do worry about, you know, cause I rail against like the, the Netflix or generation here of treating movies as just background material, like you're treating music. And I'm sure there are probably people listening that are like more hardcore than me about their music. They're like, I'd never do that. But I think for the most part, people are guilty, you know, like going to the gym, you just throw on your gym music and you're not even really acknowledging what you're listening to. It's just sort of there like white noise. And certainly the red turtle can't be white. It's noise. not that. No. Yeah, and I kind of subscribe to the, the mindset of like it's all okay. You know, like I'm kind of anti bashing Marvel movies because there's nothing wrong with having your your popcorn crazy, you know, just action movies, mindless entertainment. It's just if that's your only definition of entertainment, it's a little sad. Well, you, you know? can't it, apply that particular definition to the Red Turtle. Right. That's where you're you right. would be in the wrong. Yeah. Right. And it can be completely dry and snooty if <laughs> if Mr. Highbrow is just only going to watch your uh, art house film. I mean, that's fine if that's what people <laughs> if enjoy. If you're infecting Infinity, expecting Infinity War to be the Red Turtle, like, why isn't it more like that movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and this is one of those situations where that's probably the best way to describe this movie is, like, if somebody can go to a museum and really, like, stand there and ponder a piece of, of art for several minutes and, and you know, kind of like, try to get into the mindset of what's being said and just, I, I, I could see a peacefulness to that and how people do that. That's exactly what this film is doing. You know, it's just, it's letting you take it all in yourself instead of using any type of dialogue to, to really tell you what it it's is. It's weird and, how the journey goes for those two type of movies. Like let's say comp book or, or like we saw, you know, just last month with the last Jedi is with, those type of fandoms, they expect all the interaction and the the dialogue, if you will, that they have with the movie to take place in like the year or two years leading up to the movie. As far as like looking at trailers, uh, theorizing with fans, like what that character is going to do when Thanos finally arrives. And yet something like the Red Turtle asks you to do that as you're watching it to kind of mm-hmm. involve yourself in it. Like Jared was talking about the the, the universal nature of it, like this nameless man who doesn't have an accent. We don't know where he's from. Josh said, you don't want to know his background. It's you basically on there. It's yeah. to, yeah. you put yourself Projection. in the movie and it's weird that the, you know, the last Jedi or Avengers, the fans seem to refuse to put themselves in that movie. All they're really mm-hmm. sort of usually like scoring it on is their expectations before. And yeah, once yeah. they, once they like buy the ticket, it's like, they don't want to, they don't want to see any part of themselves, in it. especially with last Jedi. They don't, they do not want to see any sort of failures in these characters. They don't want to see any sort yeah, of reality. Yeah, that just amazes me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's probably really putting the finger on it right there is just, and, and it's easy, I guess, because those type of films like this, we create heroes, but 
to me, that's part of the fun is imagining like, what would I do if I was in that situation, you know, and I was having those powers or whatnot. And I don't know. I don't know if that's necessarily how art is meant to be taken or not, especially in film, but that is how I try to approach it is like, you know, how, how would I respond to these situations? How, you know, what would I do? And oftentimes that's half the fun is like even pondering afterwards. Like, I don't think I would have done that or I would do that or you know, sometimes you see movies that have really, you know, <laughs> messed up moral dilemmas. You're like, what would I do during that situation? And uh, that that's the problem with a film like this is that, yeah, I think your general audiences, they just don't want to they don't want to do that. <laughs> they don't yeah. they don't want to. There's a certain uh, level of laziness there, <clears throat> and that's going to sound incredibly pretentious. But if you ask an audience to actively participate in a movie while they're watching it, you're going to lose a lot of people right off the bat because a lot of them just don't want to actually think while they're watching the movie. I don't think it's being pretentious though, because being pretentious is saying that like, this is a smart movie. Only smart people get this movie. What we're just basically saying is that, uh, we know people aren't willing to do it. <laughs> There's just a difference between mm. can they or will they? And the answer is they won't for, for the most part. But, that reminds me, this this whole like back and forth. I had to like look this up. I remember the the idea, the concept, but it's uh probably my favorite thing Roger Ebert uh, ever said, which is uh, I'm gonna read the quote here. So I'm just acknowledging I had to look it up. I would not have been able to recite this word for word. Um, <laughs> he said we are we are all born with a certain package. We are who we are, where we were born, who we were born as, how we were raised. We're kind of stuck inside that person. And the purpose of civilization and growth is to be able to reach out and empathize a little bit with other people. And for me, the movies are like a machine that generates empathy. It lets you understand a little bit more about different hopes, aspirations, dreams, and fears. It helps us to identify with people who are sharing their journey with us. And I, I don't yeah. think people, I don't know, there seems to be a strange rejection of that, of like not wanting to, if you don't already, as I said, going back to like the, the expectations people have for different properties, if you don't already like present characters that are immediately me on screen, then there's this sort of rejection of like <laughs> Batman would never do that. Luke Skywalker would never do that as opposed to trying to experience something different, some other they reaction to life. They don't want to be involved. They just want to be told. They just want to be fed. And instead of participating and kind of meeting halfway there, as far as like meeting the, the, the film where it's at, you know, and, and finding that halfway point of like, again, what do I bring to this? You know, like what, what can I read into this? Uh, the last Jedi is doing stuff that even the original trilogy didn't do. And some people might say that's blasphemous, but it's just, just the truth. And I mean, I know this isn't a last Jedi discussion, but just kind of making your point of there, there's, <laughs> there's value to be had into observing situations that maybe you, you don't normally observe. I mean, that's, that's, or that you hadn't contemplated before. Right. Like something right. like just and to bring it back to like the red turtle, for instance, like I highly doubt any of us, unless you all have just been holding out on a really cool bar story, <laughs> have been in the situation where we were cast away alone on an Island <laughs> and we had sex with a red turtle <laughs> and procreated on my bucket list. <laughs> yeah. I've had something I've been meaning to tell you guys. <laughs> yeah. Josh drank a lot of rum in the Caribbean <laughs> <laughs> next to red turtle. <laughs> Up next to Kurt. Tortuga. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and I, I don't want to sound like we're, you know, we're lecturing people to, you know, to see something like the red turtle. Cause Josh, I think you set it up where it's like, okay, just go in with the expectation that you have to give a little bit more of yourself. So yeah, this isn't mm-hmm. something you can throw on like split. Uh, but to get to the point of our, our podcast, I, I think, I think we're all going to come down the side that, and I'll just say it for myself. You know, I wish more I, in, in our little battle between these two films. I do wish red turtle. I think it deserves to be more well known than split deserves to have its success. And that's not knocking split. But if I'm having to say which one of these holds more value, I'm going to go with the, the forgotten film. I wish had done a little bit better. I'm surprised. It's not just a dumb American shared uh, that didn't support <laughs> it. I'm surprised that the world didn't really support it that much. Nobody really did. Yeah. It was a fresh movie, though. 94%. Audience score of 80, though. And how does that uh, compare to Split? Uh, I think those are both. I think it's like seven. Well, let me look. Uh, 75 and audience of 79. So pretty much... About the same on audience score. Four out of five people liked them. It's an it's a awkward thing to say because it's like I definitely think <laughs> I definitely wish that I lived in a world where this movie could be more popular. But it's like usually when, when we say this movie should be more popular, it's because this is a good movie and it's a movie that most people would like. Why didn't they Why didn't they check mm-hmm. it out? This is a movie. It's like. No, even if we made everybody watch it, most people would still say, I don't like that. (laughs) That's unfortunate, Uh, but that's just the truth of the situation. Um, So I do wish that was the more locked movie. Uh, I liked both films. Uh, And I think what I said earlier about one being a little more artistic and one being a little bit more popcorn fun, that's the two movies we have here. So I'm not going to say that like, one of these is like a more important movie than the other, but the the Red Turtle. One of them definitely. definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just depends well, on the type of entertainment you're, you're going for. Well, the type okay, of I'll film you're going. I'll, for. I'll say for myself, I I didn't care for Split, and uh, other than that one little concept, um, it's strange. Even though I had seen most of the Red Turtle before. Uh, and was watching it at five o'clock in the morning, uh, covered in sweat from the gym. I paid far more attention to it. Whereas Split, I was just like, "Oh yeah, it's the the kid again. Oh yeah, it's like the the Boston accent, like tough guys back again." And I I did uh, to to what Jared I think pointed out the most is the fact that all of them kind of had the same plan. I uh, I didn't really care which personality was out for the most part. So that one yeah. was a little bit more boring to me, and I was kind of surprised because I thought. And I, you know, maybe that's just bias talking. Even as a movie fan, I thought like Red Turtle was going to be the one that I was like, all right, I'm going to, that's, I got to take my medicine because Split's going to be <laughs> the easy one. But I struggled far more with Split to like pay attention and stay focused. I was concerned too. I mean, there's a, it's always a grab bag when you're talking about um, independent foreign films that get high critical acclaim, you know. You don't know, like, okay, is this going to be one that really is that good and it deserves it? Or is it going to be Paddington? Something that, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Mike. Paddington's <laughs> a national treasure. Uh, Not here it ain't. Not in America. No. Not I've Trump's America. Just, I've, I've adopted <laughs> Paddington just like that kind family did. Uh, Thank you. Paddington's a dreamer. Get his ass out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, you, you get those that are also just kind of there because the critics have latched on to whatever reasons they have but this this one's the, the the former it's wonderful and it it deserves what little bit of love it got and deserves a whole lot more jared you want to wrap it up some positivity or you, you do you, have you been saving some nasty hellcat for the uh, uh the two super no, fans not really. <laughs> no i two super fans who's the other one uh we have a canadian of all things 
Oh and, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah, usually yeah. very nice, and they uh, they're you know, Jason. I'll shout you out if you're listening. Uh, strange. Uh, I wouldn't expect a Canadian to like something as dirty as the Hellcat, but maybe just a little spice. <laughs> One of my Canadian crazy life. McAvoy personalities <laughs> that I have come out every now and then. Maybe if I believe enough, my hair will grow back. All right, yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up, Jared. Uh, that was referenced in there, and I actually wanted to see it. Uh, I want to see McAvoy with like the long hair, and I was disappointed. Get me on board, baby. He's climbing walls. He's you know flexing, taking bullets. Where's but where's the like hair's the, too much? Is it? Couldn't do it. Couldn't what make I'm, that leap. What I'm hearing is that it's Jared's fault. He's bald because he just isn't thinking right. McAvoy couldn't do it either, so it's not just me. <laughs> well, no, you know. I don't really have a whole lot to add to what you all said. Um, just split. I think it started out way too quick and didn't the the end, uh, the, the, the delivery just wasn't really that great for me. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, like, I love the Red Turtle, so I think we've <laughs> talked about 30 minutes on that. So. Is it, uh, it going to be something you revisit again, you think, the Red Turtle? Oh, yeah. Okay. Definitely. It's just uh, even just the uh, ambiance of the uh of the film alone i'm definitely gonna watch it again it's very much like the opposite side of a coin of like you know oftentimes even uh i i don't think it's any shock to people to probably know we're we're pretty close friends we hang out a lot uh in real life so um you know especially in our younger days we'd be playing board games or, or whatever we would throw on star wars or lord of the rings you know for that high octane you know just to be entertained while we're doing stuff and this is the opposite of the opposite side of that same coin of like i will be returning to this a lot to chill out you know like you know what i need a quiet evening i just want to watch something that's just pretty and i can just kind of sit and think and enjoy it and take it in i see myself revisiting a lot for those reasons as well well, I wondered that because, you know, some of these movies, they might have that one-time effect, but they're almost like too big of a meal as far as like, I, I wouldn't have that experience once, but it's not mm-hmm. something that I would actually throw on again to be entertained. Uh, I'll just say that I'll, I, I probably will revisit again, but I'll never watch it with uh, Jared. I'll never watch it with the Nasty Hellcat. Uh, <laughs> one, because it would be, it may be odd. It would ruin uh, it. But it may ruin the image of the Nasty Hellcat for me with Jared. If I see him shedding a tear, well, I don't know no, if I can take that's, it. That's we don't the other that. personality. I mean, uh, <laughs> Nasty Hellcat will come out eventually. We just have to uh, have the right pairing of movies. Uh, well, <clears> okay. <throat> I'm glad you mentioned that. That'll lead into uh, our outro here. So usually I say, you know, just follow us on. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Sober Cinema, um, and hopefully you'll get to interact with Jared when his uh, blood pressure is high and his tweets are sharp. <laughs> um, and I think next week's pairing will do it because we're going to revisit. Josh, you mentioned our, our long friendship here. This is going to go back to our freshman high school days. We're going back to the Gwyneth Paltrow, Ethan Hawke starring Great Expectations Lord have mercy. <laughs> oh, no. Well, you know, Jared, uh, there's been too much. The Red Turtle, I threw that out there, and I'm like, Jared's going to call this uh, pompous horse shit, and then you love it. <laughs> so I, I got to get the rage back. I got to bring out the beast. We got to get the 24th <laughs> personality. Cause uh, me laughs this uh, this week. No. Yeah. Uh, but the other one is a comedy that I, I think you all like if you haven't seen it. Uh, with uh, Bill Pullman and Ben Stiller called Zero Effect, where Bill Pullman plays a uh, private eye. Uh, he is the sort of the cooler version of, I guess, Miss Haversham, where he decides that the only way to investigate society is to be a total loner and totally isolated so that you can be totally impartial to everyone and everything. 
You know, hearing Mike's description of what we're watching next week reminds it makes me it makes me feel like me and Jared are uh, in mystery science theater. Like mm. we're on some sort of like prison, <laughs> like movie prison. Where Mike's my like, movies for what, you this week. This is what I have lined up for you this week, boys. <laughs> the hell you have waiting. <laughs> Great expectations. Well, you, you were talking mm. about the, the flip side of that coin. You know, it's a, I guess it's a double-edged sword for me because like, I do want you to enjoy yourselves at times, but I can't have too much positivity because you know the show, the podcast must go on, and people like huh. rage and anger. So that's what you're getting, great expectations. Um, and just to throw a little more chum in the water there, super fan Hyro, True Bromance. One of his uh, one of his personal favorites. This version of Great hmm. Expectations. So you're kidding. <laughs> well, <laughs> music plays right there. <laughs> <laughs> Scotch on the rocks, please. Any scotch will do, as long as it's not a blend, of course. Uh, single malt, Glenlivet, Glenfiddich, perhaps, maybe a Glengow, any Glen. I'm drunk. I'm thirsty. I want a beer. What about you? You want a beer? Just a drink. A martini, shaken, not stirred. 